and welcome to the Gifts of the Weird. I am really excited today because my guest is Larissa Hunter. She is the owner of Saga Press, and uh, this is really a great opportunity to get to speak with her and speak about the offerings of the books that she has through the Saga Press, and it's really great to have her. Larissa is the owner of Saga Press, and her dream was to start a heathen-specific publishing house that would focus on bringing the spiritual voices of heathens around the world to current and future heathens. Hi, Larissa. Welcome. Hi, good morning. How are you this morning? Doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. We left off our, your bio with you in the Wiccan Church of Canada, and here you are now holding a heathen press. How did that happen? And are you now, are you still part of the Wiccan Church or are you identified as a heathen? Um, basically, after my little ramblings through the uh, Wiccan Church of Canada, which I really enjoyed being there, the people there helped me transition from Christianity to, to non-Christianity. It was a very important part of my life. After that very short period of time, I wasn't jiving with what the Wiccan Church of Canada was kind of offering me at the time. I was studying Egyptian pantheon, and I was asked to write a ritual for Yule. And so I went ahead and did that, not finding a lot in the Egyptian <laughs> pantheon that had related to Christmas and, and Yule and those kinds of things. And I accidentally found myself immediately researching Norse uh, mythology. And I never really understood why I was drawn to that. But uh, through that little tiny Google search was the beginning for me of realizing that this path might be one that was more suited to me than the Egyptian one. Mostly my transition into heathenry was completely accidental. And, it seems to be that way for a lot of folks. <laughs> right. I don't think, I mean, there are some people that probably wake up one day and go, you know what, I'm going to go be also true or whatever. But for me, it was really accidental. And I was very fortunate that that accident occurred because it, in Ontario, we went to a lot of the pagan pride festivals and Ontario is very fortunate to have as many as they do. They have quite a few. And through every one of those uh, pagan festivals that we went to in pagan pride days, we kept meeting heathens specifically, not, not just pagans, but more leaning towards Austro and the Nordic gods. And it was through those accidental meetings that felt like coincidences at the time that it started becoming more aware in my head that this might be a tiny little push. And I listened to the push and I, I felt myself being more and more drawn towards it uh, until I eventually decided that that's the path I really wanted for myself and completely immersed myself uh, into As True and been that way for now 15 years. Wow, that's quite a story. <laughs> And it seems like a path that a lot of folks have. We just kind of meet people and have a, have a minor interest and uh, it just kind of leads there. So when you were doing your research, uh, did something stick out more than other as to spark your interest? For instance, a particular god or goddess or a story, or did you come across like the Eddas and start reading something? Or of course, this is your your research was way before the Thor Marvel the Marvel right. Thor movies, so it couldn't have been that that got you, your interest going. And there was no Vikings TV show, then, right? So uh, um, when I was researching into what Yule was, something about Odin in particular really drew me in. 
And it was a particular article that I have been unable to back research now. Um, I, I'm assuming over the years it just got lost to the internet. But there was an article I read once that described the afterlife as being this place that you could transition wherever you wanted. When, when you died, you could go to stay with your ancestors in hell, or you could go and be with other gods, or you could live in the ancestral mound. And this concept to me seemed very comfortable. You said you initially kind of had a draw to Odin. Have Is he more or less your go-to or patron, uh, however some folks like to call it? Or has someone else kind of stepped up and or become your your full true? And my thought was, and I sent this to you earlier, was like, for instance, do you find Bragi more in- attentive to you since you are leading a book press, uh, doing a lot of communications? And any specific gods or goddesses that you feel like you can share with us that's working well, mostly in um, your life? Before I admit to what gods are in my life, <laughs> I, I do want to say one thing about Saga Press. Like when I when I first started it, it was a heathen publishing house and, and was something that was promoting specifically that belief system. But in the last year or two, we've decided to expand to include everyone. So we're not just a heathen publishing house anymore. Because of our goal is to basically make sure that books are done in a way that represents the author's vision. We find that a lot of publishing houses do not respect authors, do not treat them nicely, do not produce their books in a way that makes them happy. There are very few authors that are completely happy with the publishing houses that they are with. So we we try to be an Excel to make them more comfortable working with a press that actually cares a lot about their vision and completing a project. So um, Saga Press aside, like for me, Odin has was the first one and he kind of appeared and disappeared within my life as he does, <laughs> being that he's a big wanderer. He kind of led me towards Frigga and I had a chance to be a mother because of her. And then it kind of led me to other gods. Loki has always been in my life. I kind of feel like he's always with Odin, no matter where Odin is. And those three gods have kind of been in my life. But it's funny, I don't find that any of the gods related to stories are the ones that seem to push our publishing house in any direction. It always feels like it comes from a very strong root. So all of our decisions, our entire vision of the publishing house is pushed by our heathen ideals for being a community, for supporting each other, and for um, having the, the, you know, the heathen mentality of working together and being inclusive is incredibly important. And so the people in my publishing house, not very many of them are actual heathen heathens. Uh, Some of them are a mix of heathen pagan. We have druids. We have uh, former Christians. We have some authors that are from the Judeo-Christian belief system. So our beliefs are not going to prevent an author from coming here. But all of our entire decisions are fueled by the gods and their inspiration for us to keep going. I do feel like the strongest ones for me are still Odin, Frigga, Hela 
has come into my life quite a bit and Loki. Those are my core. And I always feel like they're around no matter what I'm doing. Frigga for me is an incredible supportive goddess that seems to provide a lot of inspiration. How did Saga Press come about? What inspired you to decide to create your own publishing company? And you kind of alluded to it, but uh, having an idea and then making it a reality is sometimes a long road, sometimes an easy road, and sometimes a, you know, I'm just really going to do it. How did, how did you decide it's to come about with the Saga Press? Because a lot of that is exactly <laughs> how it's been. It, it, it was this, in, in some ways, it was just this blurted out idea. When I started writing, I was pregnant with my daughter, who is nine. And I wrote my first book, which is no longer in print. I'm trying to redo it. But it was actually called Full Truly. And working with gods that you are, you have a very close affinity to. So I wrote this book, and I kind of submitted it around to different publishing houses, not knowing what would ever come of it. And I was accepted by a publisher and was published. And I felt that at the time, Heathen Books did not go very well if your publisher was pagan. And I'm, I'm saying this in the most politest way I can because I'm sure I'm, I'm not speaking in every, every publishing house that's pagan. But there are some publishing yes. houses that don't know how to handle a heathen book because there were comments about the book that, uh, that would say things like in there, you wrote about Odin only having one eye. What about people who believe in him having two eyes? I'm like, there's nobody that believes Odin has two eyes. Like he lost the whole thing about Odin is his sacrifice and his loss of eye. Why in the world would I put in the book that he has two eyes? That makes no sense, but it was things like that. And mm-hmm. they wanted me to reword, uh, take out the word heathen and just put paganism, which I refuse to do. Because it's not, to me, it's not the same faith. And I wouldn't do that to a pagan. I wouldn't say, you have to remove that and put heathen. If, if you're pagan, you're pagan. If you're heathen, you're heathen. It's, it's okay to use those terms. But it was just a misunderstanding about what heathen, heathenry was. And this publisher just didn't understand. And we were not meshing. Uh, and they didn't do very well selling my book. So I asked for it back. I, I split with them. And I decided to, you know what, I'm going to publish it myself, thinking that that would not be hard and finding out that it was incredibly difficult. It was technically challenging. It was a huge learning curve, but I decided that I was going to stick with it. I was going to do this just for myself. Once I launched my second book, Embracing Heathenry, I had a friend of mine named Glenn Bergen contact me through varying conversations, uh, through emails, he had actually emailed me about our little group called Kenneth Kindred, which I was, was running in Canada at the time. And he was just trying to reach out to different organizations to get someone to speak to, because he was trying to do some research on varying organizations around the world. And I was the only one who mm-hmm. replied uh, out of all the organizations. <laughs> and through that little tiny reply, we struck up a conversation through email and he found that I was kind of doing my own thing and publishing my own stuff. And he said, Hey, do you, would you ever want to publish my stuff? And I never really thought about it, but something kind of drove me in in a direction to, to do it. And so I took his, and that was the first time I'd ever dealt with another author's book. 
through that one book, we've now amassed quite an army of people that want to work here. And it's mostly because of me asking. I met my cover artist, Jill, who's now my personal assistant and very close to me at the press. And my best friend and uh, Sarah, who I write with a lot. She is my other hand at the press. And I feel that the three of us have done the best thing we can do, uh, which is to work together to achieve one goal. So it was just a tiny little idea that I kind of tossed out there. I thought, why not? And that why not led to a huge amount of learning, <laughs> a huge amount of education, a huge amount of technical discovery for me to figure out that, yes, I can do this. And then I decided to be brave and reach out to other people. And that bravery led to where I am now. Like I said, my whole life has been weird little pushes. And it was just another weird little push that I had listened to. And I just rolled with it. Wow, that's that's a great story. Yeah, and I really it shows just in, uh, follow your dreams, doesn't it? I don't ever it? give up. And I don't allow myself to think that I can't do something. I, I'm very driven to once I have an idea in my hand, I will push it as far as I can before I admit that maybe it's not the best idea. Sometimes with running a publishing house, it's been incredibly challenging because it's, it's time consuming, but I don't allow myself to have moments of doubt. When I do, it's been my fortune that I've had people in my life that I call upon if I'm struggling. My husband being the first, he is my best friend and incredibly supportive when we are struggling to get a book out and ready, he's uh, taking the book and doing layout, finishing covers, helping edit stuff until the wee hours of the morning so that the books can go out. If it wasn't for people like that, I wouldn't be able to do what I do because I am a mom and that's a huge priority in my life. I love how earlier when you were describing and the process of the book and your process of getting your your own works published and the the challenges that you had with uh, mainstream publishing companies authors have books to write or and they want to get them published those are dreams and it must be very satisfying when a, an author can hold the actual book in their hand with a cover and pages and flip through it and smell that paper smell and realize that now that all of that in their head is now a reality because it's in a book form I'll ask you this, is it, my interpretation is, is that it's one thing to have it in a WordPress or a PDF or uh, on, on pad, pads of paper all written out and completed, but it must be a very amazing feeling it to is, have to hold that printed say, book in your hand. Um, in regards to holding their book is that it's a way of preserving themselves. So it's something that will span off time. Th that book is a historical record in a way. These are your thoughts, your visions, your dreams, all typed up and nice and neat with our beautiful layout done and our beautiful covers and our beautiful insides all prettied up for you. And you get to hold it and it feels like I can speak personally because I am an author and I've held my book. It feels like you're holding a piece of yourself. And I know a lot of people think that authors are a little bit wacky when it comes to their books because it does feel like a piece of your soul, but it is. A lot of what we write comes from us. 
It is your life being stripped bare and shown to the world. And it is a piece of you. Even if it is a fictional piece, it's still a piece. It's something that you created, you invented. It is it is like a child. And so when you see that and you hold it, it's an amazing feeling of this connection between you, history, people before you, people after you that are going to hold this book and know that you existed and that you wrote this. It becomes much more than just holding paper. It's like holding yourself. Much like when paintings are done, I'm sure the artists feel the same way. You, you, yeah. you do take a piece of yourself and put it into a manuscript. And that's incredibly interesting when you get to hold it in its, all of its finished form and figure out how long that took you. I mean, the most amazing thing that I find is that when sometimes when we have new authors come here and they've never been through this experience before, they think that it takes, you know, four to six months to produce a book. And that's not even close. By the time an author has finished writing, they've usually spent already a good year or two writing. So most books take approximately one to three years to completely produce, finish, write, and everything. It's a huge process. It is a long process. So speaking of writing books, let's talk about some of yours. I'm looking at your current catalog and I see a book by you called At Frigga's Feet. Can you tell us about that? It's got a beautiful cover. Thank you. And that cover was uh, done by our in-house cover artist, Sheil. She is an incredible artist. And this not only does the covers, but she does internal uh, illustrations as well. There's a book coming out soon, which I'll touch on later, but it was ca- it's called Pint-Sized Tales. And the book is going to be illustrated by her. She did a a huge amount of illustrations for the book. Uh, so at Fergus Feet basically is a collection of children's stories that all involve different moral lessons. And the reason I wrote these is that my daughter kept asking why she couldn't find a lot of our gods in the stories that she was reading. From the time she was very small, we've always introduced folklore and fairy tales. It's been a huge part of her life. I've read to her from the time she was very small. And we used to read quite heavy books, not just small books, although she had a lot of small books for herself to learn how to read. But every night I would sit down and open Grimm's fairy tales and read Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or any of those. And she loved these. And I always read the original ones that are way more creepy than the modernized ones. But uh, she always loved they loved these tales. Uh, she always used to ask me why she couldn't find books with our gods in them. She used to bug me all the time. Like, why Why are there no tales about Odin? Well, reading a child, the Edda, and I'm, I'm sorry to say to, to Snorri who wrote it, they don't understand it. The language that is written in is incredibly challenging. And for a child, the Edda is almost impossible. So I was getting frustrated because you couldn't find a lot of books related to um, the, the Norse tales being told for children. And there are a few. There are several books that have like a child's version mm-hmm. of Odin or Thor or whatever. But when you open them, a lot of the illustrations show these Greek-looking gods with blonde hair and wearing horned helmets. And it was completely, you know, it was over-stylized. So I thought to myself, you know, there must be a better way <laughs> 
for children yeah. <laughs> to engage in Norse mythology without being so heavy at them. So I wrote little tiny stories. And initially I wrote them as pieces that went to rituals that we used to do when I was running our little kindred up in Canada. Be quite a few children in our group. So the group asked if we could, you know, have a couple of little stories that the kids could hear so that they weren't getting bored. So at, at Frigga's Feet came about because of that. We wrote all these stories and I had collected them over the years. And I had decided, you know what? And since I've gotten a handle on how to publish books now, and I've published, you know, four or five, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to writing a little bit myself. Because the one thing I had to sacrifice to run the publishing house was that I didn't get to write. I, I don't get a lot of my own creativity time because my time is focused on okay, what author's next and producing books. But I decided to take a little bit of space for myself and to put Frigga's feet together. There's other tales that will deal with devotion, strength, that are concepts within heathenry that we want to convey to our children. And I didn't really want it based on the nine noble virtues because I don't believe in those, but I wanted it to be based on what the folklore, what the Eddas, what our religion essentially teaches in its core, which are things that I believe are, you know, love, compassion, responsibility, truthfulness, and some amount of morality. And that that morality is not the morality that you find in Christianity, but it's a moral existence of understanding that I'm a human, you're a human, and I'm here to take care of you living in a law-abiding way. I definitely think there is a moral sense and that heathens are incredibly law-abiding. They they do follow rules. And I think that it's important to show, show our children that living like that leads to a very healthy existence. Awesome. I'm looking forward to reading it. And I have a friend who has three lovely little children, and I want to give them the book. Let's talk about some of your other catalog, particularly, and then we'll get to some future stories or future books that you have on the horizon. You have a series of books called The Scaldic Poems, which look interesting, and I'm looking forward to getting into those. Uh, but however, I just finished the story of Arbucks, and I want to say I really love this book. It was delightful. It was a great story. Uh, it had I was recognizing a lot of the lessons from the Havamal throughout that uh, Granddad was teaching the children, and just some of the great things. And But most of all, the story of a young man meeting a giant and determining that the giant needs to go home. A, a delightful story. I really enjoyed their adventures together. I'm really glad that I got a chance to to get this book and read it. So how did this story come about? What intrigued you about it? What intrigued me was exactly what you said. Like when I saw it, it immediately reminded me of this film that I'm not sure many people would remember, but I find it one of my favorites and it's one that I've watched uh, more than once. It's a movie titled Big Fish. And the movie featured Ewan McGregor when he was a little bit younger before he became a Jedi Master. But uh, the, uh, this, the basically the movie is about this son who listens to his father <laughs> telling this insane story of his life. And he blows it up completely out of proportion of reality. As the son is becoming more aware that his father's time of life is coming to an end, and I'm hugely spoiling this movie, he realizes that his dad wasn't lying. He was trying to make his life seem interesting because he was a storyteller. And storytellers can't help 
but make their life sound as interesting as possible. And Arbucks really reminded me of that. It reminded me of you sit down with your granddad and he tells you some insane story about how he walked backwards up a hill with in the snow with nails in his shoes. And it reminded me of things that my grandfather used to tell me. And my grandfather never met a giant, but my grandfather was very interested in Alexander Graham Bell and Nikola Tesla. And throughout his life, he had done research into these two characters and he had actually written a novel and I didn't know about it until he died that he had written a novel about Nikola's Tesla and my granddad was always very much like the one in our books he would tell you these moral lessons through stories and I think that for you know parents and especially grandparents this is how they convey importance and truthfulness and to signify moments in life is through these tales. And when I read this, when Caroline submitted it, I was beyond thrilled to take on this manuscript. It, it was amazing. And I wanted to give her the opportunity to be published. I'm so glad you did. I love this story so much. For me, especially because one of the things that I really loved about it is that I'm going to use the word term simple. But it doesn't mean that it's right. dumbed down or anything like that. It's just the simple story. It's a, it's a granddad talking to his children, his grandchildren, and there's not a bunch of car chase scenes and blow ups and the the cursory every thirty every ten seconds you're sit, switching to a new scene or filled with all of the the terrors of the world. It's just an adventure. It's a great adventure story. And I really love that about it. It was able to take me out of the world a little bit and put me into a place of friendship and love and duty and honor. That was just a, a great story. And when you were talking about Frigga's feet, you were talking about bits and pieces or small stories for bedtime. I could totally see this reading each of granddad's little portions of his adventure uh, to children to go to bed and they still getting enough of a concept of the sections of the story, but still having a grand story over it all. So I, I think this could be a great bedtime story book. I agree with you. Like the, the book is very child friendly. It doesn't contain content that would be inappropriate at all. I believe it is one for every age. And it really reminds me of one that you can just curl up and read and really immerse yourself into without worrying throughout it that you're going to get drawn out for any reason. It, it's very much like, let me bring you into my world. And now you're here with me and you're sitting next to me and we're both listening to granddad together. And I kind of feel like you're just hanging out yes. with the author's granddad and listening to these tales. So I totally agree that it could be an amazing bedtime tale if parents are interested in checking it out, especially if you've got children around seven, eight, nine, this would be a, right along the grade level that's appropriate for them. Yeah, especially because at that age, they, they're able to retain from the day before or something and or the, the last time before and then piece it all together as a grand adventure. Yeah, plus it matches with the uh, school's reading levels. This would probably be the higher end of the reading level, so probably grade four, grade three, four, five. This would probably fit exactly into the reading scales that teachers give you for ones that are really good for children to read, to learn about narrative, to learn about 
character development stories. And it's one that they can finish without having it dragged on them. Some of the books I find that they give kids in school are are very draggy and they have a hard time finishing them. But this this wouldn't be that. It would fit along the lines of, yeah. you know, same thing as like Harry Potter or the Percy Jackson books. It's, you know, it's adventure. It's interesting and it keeps you reading as you go. That's great. So coming up, we have a much looked forward to, or I believe a much interested republication of a book that I want you to tell our listeners about, because I know it's really going to interest them. And it's for Teutonic Religion by Kveldof Gunderson. The book has been out of print for uh, several years. And I know that in a lot of heathen boards and discussions, this book gets mentioned a lot. And then immediately after is, it's out of print. And nowadays I can say, it's coming back to print. And I'm posting that cool video that you had on Facebook uh, some months ago about the book. So tell us about how this is coming back into print and why, and uh, the story of Teutonic religion. Okay, well, this, again, pieces of my life that get pushed. Um, I actually know Kevaldoff very well under his other name, Stephen Grundy. We've chatted back and forth throughout the years, but <laughs> I sort of have an acquaintance online. His name is Michael Ransom Wilson, and he runs a group that's, I believe, affiliated with the Troth somehow. I'm not exactly sure. And his group wanted to bring Teutonic back. And so they contacted Kvaldoff and went like, well, can we, is the book available to be reprinted? And there was sort of a sort of a yes, no kind of situation. And Michael realized that publishing a book was really hard. <laughs> Something that um, most people come to terms with the fact that only a PDF existed of this book. And so if you don't have extreme technical knowledge, it's not as simple as downloading the PDF and re-uploading re it somewhere and clicking print. That's not how it works. So the book had to be completely redone, new cover, have a new ISBN assigned to it, everything. And that was just way beyond his technical knowledge. Uh, think, fearing that it would take forever for him to figure it out, he contacted me because he knew I had a publishing house. And he was like, listen, would you at all be interested and of course, I jumped right on it because I'm not stupid. I <laughs> Teutonic is, it was one of my favorite books and it led me to a lot of places and it, it is on the most wanted reading list of every heathen community. So of course, I was like, yes, uh, are you kidding? Like he's, this is up for grabs. Okay, let me get on it. So then I contacted, I contacted Stephen right away and I was like, okay, give me the skinny. What's the book's situation? Is it, are we able to print it? Like what is yeah. happening? And he gave me the whole lowdown and he told me that only a PDF existed. And I said, okay, dokie. And I took the PDF and I had to do a lot of research and found out that Llewellyn actually had retained the rights. So I contacted them and eventually that got worked out to to them finally relinquishing the book back to Cadelfer and giving it to me. So it's been kind of a whirlwind getting that book, but I'm very happy that I did. So if no one knows what Teutonic religion is and you've just come into heathenry out of the snow and have never heard of this book before, the, this book basically covers everything you've ever wanted to know about heathenry in one volume. And there is things about 
its origins. There's things about its practice. There's historical facts. If you want a good summary and a good basic book to read and then launch yourself into heathenry from there, this is the book. And there hasn't been anything like this, I don't think, ever produced uh, that's even similar. So it is definitely the one that you want to have, even if you're just interested in researching. This is the book to have. So I'm very fortunate to uh, be the one responsible for it and have been working very diligently to that uh, Kedelfer is happy and that his book returns to print. Because of our work together and because he sees how hard we are (laughs) dedicated to making sure his book is preserved and comes back, he is actually given us the ability to produce all of his works. So this will not be the end of what we do for him. Uh, you can look forward to also Teutonic Magic coming back out and Wotan the Road to Valhalla and possibly some of his fiction that he used to write when he was younger. And most people don't know that he wrote some fictional novels, but he did. And there's quite a few of them. So <laughs> you can look forward to much more from this author, not just this one. Do you have a projected month or date for the release yet that we can share or still in process? Not quite. We are uh, basically when you only have a PDF to work from, you have to convert it down to a Word document. And then we had to spend a lot of time refreshing it and editing it again. We have tightened it back up to look like an actual book again, which took a long time. When you're talking about 600 pages, it's a lot. (laughs) Um, He had to, we have to get all new tables, all new illustrations. So all of that will be refreshed within the book. We are actually adding some custom art that was made. One of our uh, internal house artists donated some amazing pieces and I'm not even going to reveal what they are, but those are going to be in there. Brand new, never seen art is going to be in the book and it's all going to be really nice. We're doing much cooler fonts inside much better to read and look at and we're going to make sure that those references are 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 very well flushed out so we are making it all new for him again putting a brand new cover brand new everything so it's right now in the process of getting its final cleanup uh, with our editing crew and then i take on the work around may i'm going to be putting it actual into format getting all the illustrations put in. I'm really hoping that by Christmas this year or before that, it's out. And my goal is to have it done and finished this year. But I want to say December just to give myself a lot of window. Okay. Well, well, thanks for taking this on and pass on to Kvaldov when you speak with him that there is a lot of interest. And I think this is going to be a, a great resource again to be having available so readily. Yes, I I, I know he's really excited about it, and he's such a humble man that I feel quite honored to know him and to have this opportunity because he's he's just an amazing person to talk to. He's much more than just an author here, but has been a real friend, and I truly feel honored to, to know him and have him here. Great. What else is coming on the horizon from Saga Press? I think the one thing that we are incredibly excited about. Uh, well, actually, there's a, quite a few things. We have a couple books coming out. There's one called Cycles of Norse Mythology, which looks into 
the fragmented myths within the Edda and gives possible completion to them. The book has a, an extensive narrative in there for people who like Nordic mythology. Uh, there's Pint Sized Tales, which is a children's collection of the Nordic Eddas and mm. sagas written for very young readers. And we also have a book coming up called The Heathen, or no, sorry, The Underground, which is being worked up for a description on. And then the biggest project that we have is called Moriafell. And Moriafell is going to be an epic adventure book that is about two young children who accidentally find themselves in a different world called Moriafell. And Moriafell happens to be full of Nordic gods and creatures that these children are gonna have to meet. And sometimes challenges occur. And it's going to be quite interesting. It's really super fun for me to write. Uh, I'm writing it with my best friend, Sarah. And her and I have been writing all wow. the dialogue for the book. It's going to be coming fully illustrated with extensive creature illustrations, gods and goddesses illustrations. It will come with a map and passports of the two kids so that children can actually collect stamps as they go along the different levels of Moriavelle. And it's going to be something that we believe is a very big interest for parents and an epic adventure. That sounds exciting for me. I can't wait to get my passport. Right. It's uh, We're really, 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 really excited about it. I can't even stress how excited we are. Um, Morifal kind of came about completely by accident and not to derail our other authors because everyone who comes here, I believe their books are amazing. And I really encourage people to pick up pint-sized tales. If you've got kids and you like Nordic mythology and you want really short bedtime stories, it's going to be right up your alley. It's short, illustrated, perfect for young readers who are just getting into reading. I would say age groups anywhere from five and up can read it completely by themselves. Five and younger might need a little bit of help here and there, but honestly, it there it's an amazing collection of short stories. Mm. And uh, Cycles of Nordic Mythology, if you really like Teutonic religion and you really like Diana Paxton's book, this is one to pick up. It has an extensive narrative in there of different gods talking about their stories and compounding them and expanding on them. And he has actually based it on real historical and archaeological evidence and shows resources. The resources alone for any heathen, this is the book to pick up. So those, absolutely. And there's a few other authors right now whose books are all in works uh, there's one called Egric coming out, which is a sequel to a book we just published a little while ago called Pagan Child. So there's like a lot coming out all over the place. I don't try not to ignore any of my authors, but the one that I have a feeling is going to take Saga Press into the future is Morifel. I We have created a whole division just to deal with the children's books called Little Bird Books. And Little Bird Books will be producing pint-sized tales as well as Morifel. So if you're looking for kids' books, Saga Press is going to now have a complete division dedicated to that. And there'll be a lot coming out in the children's line. But Morifel is uh, is coming along really well. The book is humorous, adventurous. It has different aspects to it. We did not make it at all creepy, but it's got some little bit of scary elements in there just to throw some kids some curveballs. And it's very similar to what you would read if you like Grimm's Brothers and you like books like How to Train Your Dragon and things like that. It's kind of like a mesh of like folklore, but modern all mixed together mm -hmm. in one. So it's very interesting. And I'm very 
involved in <laughs> that project as well as multitasking on everything else. So, do you have a tentative release date for Moriafell? No, it's in progress right now. We are at we are in the middle of writing it. We are at chapter five of nine. Our goal is to have it completed by the end of the year, but. As it stands right now, Saga Press, by the end of the year, will be releasing Pint-Sized Tales, uh, Cycles of Nordic Mythology, Volumes 1 and 2, Teutonic Religion, a book that I wrote a little while ago called uh, The Awesomest Fairy Ever. It will be releasing Ygrig and Morgenfell on the same year. So that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot already. And so uh, listeners can follow you on Facebook, on Facebook to hear all about the upcoming releases, correct? Yes, I can. And the best way to follow us right now is uh, on our website at www.sagapress.ca. You'll see a little link there that says sign up for the Inside Scoop. Anyone who signs up for that, they get it instantly in their, in their email box what books are coming out when. And if you sign up for that, every fifth person who signs up, the first, fifth there's a draw, and we put everybody's names into a basket, and one of those people that has subscribes wins a basket full of books for free. So keep signing up, and once in a while you get also drawn to uh, get free copies and also free re- free copies before it's released. So wow. you get a pre-release copy. So really sign up because you can get your copy first and walk around with your copy of Teutonic Religion and bragging to everybody that you got the first one. So, uh, you know, it's a good uh, good chip to bargain with, to, uh, to brag with. Absolutely. Wow, that sounds great. Well, we'll have links in the notes to Saga Press and to the Facebook page. And, uh, and people can go in and look at the catalog and find where they can, how they can order the books, because the books are available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and other places that people can order books from. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us uh, and talking about Saga Press. There are so many cool things. I am so glad to have found out about Saga Press basically through seeing uh, the little ad that you put out about Teutonic Religion. That's what alerted me to you. And then seeing the great things that you have available and hearing about these great stories coming up and these great books. Uh, I'm really thrilled. So thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you very much for having us. We really appreciate it. I I really hope that people come and check us out. And we are looking for reviewers, uh, just like you reviewed Story of Arbucks. We are looking for people just like that. If you come and review books for us, you are given a copy of the book for free. And all we ask that you do is leave a comment, even if you think that an author may need some work or that you want to give us a bad review. That's okay. We understand. Not every book is for everyone. But We just need people to read our books because our authors really rely on word of mouth and rely on Amazon reviews to get people interested and to buy their books. Books are available through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I saw some links to there as well. And yeah, you can pick up our books anywhere where books are sold. (laughs) Yes. And books are available through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I saw some links to there as well. And uh, we just really want people to read. We want people to hear the stories. And I really love the stories that, that you're presenting, and especially the ones from that are telling the stories of our gods and goddesses. Not to, again, not to discount any stories that your authors are telling, but these are of particular interest to our listeners, and we're really glad that they're coming out. Well, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to say that 
I'm ever going to abandon heathenry because that's not something I want to do ever. But the only reason that Saga made uh, Saga Press made its transition to be more inclusive is because we know that what we have to offer is something really unique and special. And if it wasn't for our faith, which remains at my core, I don't believe that we'd be providing such a good service. I think that a lot of our heathen concepts allow me to produce a business that works on a model that is respectful to our authors, that is providing them a place to call home. And that's what we want. We want to make sure that they feel that they're included here, no matter what walk of life that they come from, no matter their sexuality, no matter their religion, no matter what it is. As long as you're not full of hate and spewing venom and racism, you are welcome to come here and submit your book. Thank you so much, Larissa. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to reading stories and, and getting more books from Saga Press. Okay, thank you very much. Follow me on Twitter at Weird Gifts. Like my Facebook page at Gifts of the Weird. Send me an email with ideas for topics or maybe some heathen musicians or guests that you think might be interesting to listen to on the podcast. Gifts of the Weird at gmail.com. If you like the music, check out Tanya Three on CD Baby. It's uh, the Volospa album. It's a great album. I think you'll really enjoy it. Check out the show notes for links. Thank you and hail the gods.